My dad never taught me how to fail. My dad was a good man. You know, I've talked about him a lot on the podcast. You know, I talked about how he died in 2019. Talked about a few life lessons I've learned from him, which is, you know, a lot of people do. They learn from their parents. Really, I believe everyone does. Thing is, is that my dad taught me that failure was something to be avoided. That failure was something that I just could not afford to do. That was his belief. And that failure should, in essence, be punished and mistreated until it's not a failure anymore. My dad's favorite thing to do to motivate me was to remind me of failures that I did before. It was like, remember when you didn't do this right? Man, that's crazy. You know, remember you didn't turn in your schoolwork right? You know, you always you always not turn in your schoolwork. You know, I gotten bullied through school and he would always say, you know, boy, it's it's always because you wear your heart on your sleeve. You know, you always everybody can see just how you feel. You need to be better at this and that. And my dad was trying to teach me something that for him was very important. And for me was not what I desired or needed as a child, which was he wanted me to know how to survive. And when you're thinking about survival as a human being, you don't really care anything about the nature of failing and how it affects your brain because your brain ain't thinking about nothing but being alive. You know, being black, I can imagine that people that were my my ancestors and people that were, you know, either on slave ships or at worst slaves at one point weren't thinking about anything but enjoying the small uh, blessings that they could get wherever they could and just trying to keep from not getting eaten up by dogs and things like that. They were not thinking about how those things affect the mind over time because that was not something that they, in essence, could afford to think about. I have both the privilege and the responsibility of being able to look at the things that my dad and my parents cannot look at. So I say these things to to launch into what I'm going to be talking about. But first and foremost, y'all know I got to do it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is your host, Mr. Brandon Wade, but you can call me B2. You can call me B squared. You can call me whatever you want to call me. And the rule still stands. You still got to follow it. I know you probably ain't heard it in a minute, but you still got to follow it. But just in case you don't know, it's your first time tapping into the podcast. You can call me whatever you want to call me as long as it's nice. Welcome back to your favorite show, Pay It Forward. We are back in the building. I promised y'all that I was only going to do shows. That I was only going to do podcasts when I had when I believed I had something to say. And I believed I had something to contribute and that I learned something that I could pay it forward to y'all. Many of you guys that have seen my podcast before or listened to it before know that I started out this podcast just about talking about the value of positivity, positive things, positive vibes. I was just experimenting with something. This was kind of like a gimmick for me. And then when my dad died, I realized the podcast was going to be less about positivity and more about authenticity, which creates a positivity of its own. So here I am to talk about these things and to talk about um some important things that come up around failing successfully and just around my experiences with failure and some of my failures so that 
these things can be something that can we can grow in. So I was inspired to do it now uh, because of this thing that happened between uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock. Uh, most people have seen it by now. Um, Will Smith got very angry about uh, some a joke that Chris Rock made, which granted sounded very innocent, but it was a joke about something that his wife considered very serious and very important. And so he reacted and he slapped Chris Rock and he cussed Chris Rock out for saying what he said. And most people, people were very confused and upset. And they were like, man, why you act like that? And some people were like, yeah, I feel you. Other people were like, man, that wasn't classy. You know, Will Smith, L and all these things like that. Like I've heard all types of things. And it's kind of triggering to listen to it. And then at the same time, I get it. Like, I hella get why Will Smith moved like that. Like, there's a lot of undertones and underlying things that were going on in regards to... I could imagine Will's emotional state, his realness state, where he was, what he has learned to process over the years, and what he's been processing, and what was going on as well with Chris Rock. And there's such also such a, a beautiful thing in this. Um, it's something that I watched a mentor of mine point out. Um, he said, don't look at so much the moments that there's that, that you see this giant failure. Look at how these men are resolving the situation. It's true that both of them issued public apologies, which is a common thing when celebrities do things that are considered wrong or morally not correct in some kind of way. You get celebrities doing like a public note or a public apology, and that's usually like, hey, don't take everything away from me because of X, Y, and Z. But this was much more real. Um, Will kept it real with Chris in his actions, and he said that you know he he acknowledged his shortcomings and Chris also acknowledged his shortcomings as a comedian. And he said, man, it's a very thin line to walk as a comedian trying to make light of situations. And he said, my job is not to point out people's failures in comedy for my own gain, but to make light about dark situations so that people can feel lightened and laugh. And he said, man, I, I miss I misread the integrity of my being a comedian. And I'm very sorry for that. And Will was like, my it, regardless of what you said, I still should not have acted in that way. That was real reconciliation there. And it, if it wasn't, that was the fruit of real reconciliation. So what do you have here? What do you have here in this situation? Because it's always easy to look at somebody and be like, I bet I know exactly what they about. I know exactly what they was on. I know what type of timing they was on. And it's very easy to look at things from an immature perspective, from the child perspective, because as many of us don't want to admit, we're in a child. A lot of us are in child brain. You know, most of us did not have mentors, either uh, real adults that were genuine adults, not just adults be that could manage bills and you know, quote unquote, provide for families, but adults that were not kids on the inside, adults that could communicate their feelings and communicate their intentions directly and clearly that could keep their word and honor their word and operate in integrity and would be examples of what it was they desired out of their children as opposed to just expecting their children to do. I believe one of the most harmful sayings that I've ever heard 
as as as, as it's a saying that's passed down through the years uh, from parents. And I'm not a parent, so it's very hard for me to speak on this. But I've been a child, so there's something that I understand from this, which we've all been children. Do as I say, not as I do. That is the most toxic and the most destructive thing I've ever heard a parent say, and it has gone down the list of many of the, the, the parental figures that I've seen through life. Um, I'm trying to remember if my mo- my mom or my dad said that. My dad, I don't believe they ever said it, but I definitely know my dad acted on that a lot. Do as I say, not as I do. You know, if I tell you to do something, you do it. Don't worry about what I'm doing over here. And that is the first foundational breaking of integrity because whether a a parent or a a guardian understands this or not, the first thing that comes with being that is that whoever you is, is, is looking at you as a guardian or something, the first thing they're looking at is not for you to be perfect but for you to do and honor what it is you say that you will do, which means that you have integrity, which means that you create a system in which there are things that you value about yourself that they can model as an example. No matter what I tell a kid, my cousin, uh, any family member that I'm connected to, they're going to look at what I do. They're not going to look at what I say. I could tell them anything. I tell them the sky is red. I could tell them literally anything. The first thing they're going to do, they're going to look at what I do. They're going to look at what 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 do my actions mirror my words? And they're going to look at how seriously I take whether my actions mirror my words or not. They're not. Nobody is looking at me to see whether I'm going to cuss out somebody or whether I'm going to say the wrong thing, quote unquote, or do all these things. Yeah, we like having examples of people that, quote unquote, never do these things. But that's not really what we're looking for. We're looking for realness. And not only are we looking for realness, we're looking for honest repairs we're looking for healthy communication we're looking for something that is hard to 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 really put into words but it's very simple in application we're looking for integrity and what integrity looks like and integrity does not look like never making mistakes and that was the one thing i wish that i could have learned from my dad that he was not able to teach me because he didn't have it himself. And the mentors that I followed prior to this point, I was looking at them to teach me how to make mistakes successfully, how to go into a room and get everything wrong and let that be a success. I was looking for them to teach me that I'm not a failure because I fail. And they cannot teach me that because survival does not teach that. Survival teaches that you got to get it together. And if you make a mistake, then you are dead. So there's a lot that I have here to talk about, especially when it comes to failing successfully. For any that are interested in hearing more, if you're watching on Instagram, then you're going to have to do the rest of the podcast because I'm about to cut this video off at this point. And then for everybody that's listening, I'm going to just keep going. Y'all who are just listening for real, I thank y'all for bearing with me because this is a new trial, new experience for me. So I'm just trying something new and I, I might like this format and we'll see how it goes. So what's really important out of everyone, out of what I've been learning out of myself 
is that my failures and my shortcomings are not failures or and, and are not really shortcomings unless I am ashamed of my failures and shortcomings. So this is something that no one ever, like I said, again, no one ever really taught me about failing successfully. Um, my dad, when he didn't understand, when I didn't understand something, um, he would say, Things like, you know, uh, you know, boy, what's wrong with you? That was one of his favorites. Say, what's wrong with you, boy? You you can't understand English or something, you know, or you 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 kind of you you acting like you kind of slow or something. You need to be in the remedial class or something. Boy, you can't understand basic English, basic instructions. I tell you to do something and you just don't get it. And his way of trying to teach me was taunting me or ridiculing me. And that doesn't speak to a language of love. That speaks to a language of insecurity. And I still feel angry about that. And I'm learning where my failures and successes are are, are not dictated by just those things. So I recently was on... Um, a prayer call with my ministry that I'm involved in. And it's not, again, I don't believe in, uh, I don't, I, I'm not against people that are Christians and do traditional ministries and X, Y, and Z. Hey, you do what you got to do. All right. Um, I'm not a believer in, 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 in being a warrior for a culture. I'm a believer in just trying to help people and trying to help people by learning what God wants to teach me about me and then learning about God through what he's teaching me about me and then taking that and giving that to others. I believe that that's as simple as it gets. So my ministry, the ministry I'm involved in is just about, it's just people praying. So we got on this call, right? And I'm on the call and I'm listening. And one of the dudes taps in after, you know, a couple people prayed and he says, yeah, I got something to share. And I, and, and I don't know, I feel like it might help somebody. He says, man, have you ever considered that when you're walking down the street and you, and you trip and you, and you know how, how people trip and they jog to kind of keep themselves together. And he's talking, he says, yeah, that's basically me. You know, I, I do that a lot. He said, man, the only concern that I had when people were doing stuff like that was that other people would see me. He said, that's my own. That was my only concern is that when I fail, or if I was jogging to keep myself from falling, I wasn't concerned too much about falling. I was concerned about, whether other people were going to see me fall, like were they going to laugh, were they going to pull out their cameras, were they going to record me, was I going to make a fool of myself, not even whether I dropped my stuff or not. And I just just imagined him just like doing what I know I've done a lot of times, where I've been walking up the street and I would trip and I would immediately try to run and catch myself because I didn't want to be seen failing. I did not want to be seen falling on my face. I did not want to be seen that way. And there's such a culture right now, and it comes from, I believe, the child mindset, the child brain, that says that you have to ridicule people for their failures or failings, because as long as your failings are seen, then you deserve to be ridiculed about them. And that's just not true. It's an immature mindset. Because everyone fails. 
and failing can feel terrifying. And then he said something else that was even more important. He said, but what if when I fail or I tripped and fell, maybe I fell right next to the person I was supposed to minister to. He said, maybe my falling was going to cause me to see something underneath the bench or something like that, that I wasn't even going to realize was there. Maybe if I tripped and fell, And I wasn't worried about what other people thought when I did. Maybe that was an opportunity. Then he said, I'm so I was so concerned. About how people saw me that every time I made a mistake or fail. I didn't want other people to look at me and see that something was wrong with me. I'll be honest, I have a big issue with that. I've always had a big issue with that. Being seen, a core deep terror of being looked at as a failure. Of people that can't see my failures suddenly being able to see them and be like, yeah, I don't want no parts of you, bro. So I don't often, I hadn't often liked talking about them. Because I can still remember what it was like when I was four and five. I literally can still remember that. And I'm 31 now and I can still remember what it was like when I was five. And I would fall and bust my face on the schoolyard and the friend that I considered a friend would come over and he would laugh at me with his group. And I can still remember that. And the heartbreak and the sense of betrayal. The shame. The first thing I could remember thinking was like, if you just weren't such an idiot and you just had your ground under you, you wouldn't have, they wouldn't be laughing at you right now. And, you know, my dad, you know, loved him, but he didn't really help with that very much. You know, I'd tell him, hey, dad, I fell. And he'd say, well, why, why didn't you have, why didn't you, you know, next time you need to make sure you grab the fence or something, boy. He'd say, you, you're not, you got some kind of, he would just, you got some kind of balance issue or something, you know, what's, what's your deal? So he criticized my failures and he criticized his own failures through me. So that's something that I don't really care much for talking about. And I've been in a lot of communities and stuff like that. And very quickly, I feel myself putting on a mask because I'm like, all right, I know this person likes this about me. I know they like this about me. This is all they're going to see out of me. And. Very quickly, I started to feel trapped. It's funny that I started to feel like I was getting what I wanted, but it wasn't what I wanted. I'd be able to go into any circle. And everybody in each circle would like me or they would always be happy to see me or I would be able to shake hands with anybody 
in any field. I'd be able to communicate with all walks of life. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. And at the same time, I'm like, I feel flipping miserable right now. I don't feel like I'm understood now one bit. I feel like everyone is looking at me and not really seeing me and they're not really appreciating me for who I am. And ironically, that was me that created that. Because I'm like, I'm not finna show you and run the risk that you are going to reject me because I don't know if I can handle that level of pain again and be told that I'm just supposed to shake it off and get over it. I feel so angry and so alone when it comes to that. And I thought it would have changed, you know, when I first came to my first church, I was like, oh, cool. I'm in a place where everybody's praying. Everybody's doing this. I ain't really, you know, much of a Christian. I'm like smooth. Everybody on this tip. Everybody's praying. We all going to understand each other. And I think that even though we Christians can be well-meaning, Christians can be more ruthless than the average person because not only is the Christian going to be willing sometimes to lie to you to keep their reputation, they're going to be willing to be meaner to you because they feel that the Bible has given them permission to do so. And they feel like, hey, if there's any, anything that's going to save your soul and keep you from hell, I don't care if I punch you in the face. You're welcome. And that sense of entitlement has hurt more people and probably has sent more people to hell if you really want to talk about that than anything else. So I talk about things from that perspective because that's a personal thing that I have been dealing with right now. Resentment towards my first pastor, resentment towards church members, resentment towards people who I felt could have seen me and didn't. And wondering, like the first question that I asked myself, when I sat with my, my dad and I can remember him yelling at me as a little boy for the first time and being like terrified of him. What was wrong with me? What did I do wrong? Trying to find that answer for 27 years after that point. What did I do wrong? There's got to be something. Some part of me just just driving, looking to prove that there is something somewhere. deeply wrong with me looking to try to find it not finding it and thinking that I've been lied to all these years and then I got into a community full of uh, younger kids that I've been you know addressing probably might even be listening right now some younger kids that um on the Discord community that I've been involved in, and I haven't even felt like being there as much because of my own projection and insecurity about my own sense of shortcoming and failure. Like, what would they say or do if... They knew. That. I didn't have the answers. And maybe they never even asked for the answers. I want to say that 
I would feel comfortable with sharing my opinion about things and sharing my perspective about things. And I also feel a responsibility, especially when I'm dealing with kids younger than me, to say the right things, to say the things that are going to help them, to say the things that are going to bring life into them. There's a a certain level of responsibility that I realize that, you know, when you are an adult, that what you say has a profound effect on people around you, you know, sometimes whether they realize it or not. And I'm like, I don't feel like I can say what I really feel and think. And when I first came in that community, man, all I wanted to do was just be like, hey, cool. I just tell y'all, man, I'm showing y'all love and just be able to just speak life. And I just really delighted in doing that. And then ironically, it felt like as more people respected me and more people in that community start going like, man, this dude's really cool. I was sitting here like, I feel really trapped right now. So because I feel like the moment I say the wrong thing, everybody's going to air me out. The moment I say something that is not, you know, good and healthy, people going to air me out. I became deathly afraid, just deeply afraid of failing in that community. Because I felt like if I can't do something right in this community, what the hell can I do something right in? And some of them kids, I see so much of myself, my own identity issues, my own identity struggles. And I don't like seeing it. Failing and not failing. I'd say failing and more than anything else has been like an idol to me. Not failing. It's been the thing that I've always looked at as the most, uh, the the unobtainable thing. Like if I can get to a point where in life I'm just not failing and I'm succeeding, then I can say I have nothing to be ashamed of. And that's just not true. And not only that, that's not me. You know, I ain't talk about how, but I'm talking about it today. That during the pandemic and when after my dad died, for weeks, sometimes I just really just wouldn't clean myself, brush my teeth, wouldn't do any of that stuff. I would just sit there. I could get it together whenever it came down to an event or something like that. Cause I'd be, I'd be, I'd be tripping if I let somebody else see that, but I wouldn't do any of that stuff. I just sit around in my room at my parents' house and stay at the wall, stare at the wall. And thank God my, I was in a position to be able to do so. I felt anxious even recording this stuff. That I would 
pray and get on a prayer call and speak life into people. And I would start feeling stressed out. And an hour later, I'd be on the porn sites. All through the morning, just watching porn. I didn't want to tell any of them that. Why? Because I wanted to think that somebody in life has got the right idea. And that's not helping them. That's not helping them in the community. That's not helping me. That's not helping my spiritual community. That's not helping nothing. Because if you can't be real with where you are, then you cannot grow into where you're going to be. It's just not real. When we looked at Will Smith and Chris Rock, I saw two real people right then. When Will Smith got up there and slapped that man, I saw Will Smith for the first time. That was Will Smith as Will Smith. And I think the world saw Will Smith for the first time. The world was like, yo, this guy isn't the guy that just has the nice smile and smiles at everybody and and, and, and is always composed and everything like that. We saw a man who was frustrated about all the stuff he'd been being had people been saying about him and everything like that. And he snapped and he finally said, I, you saw the six, seven year old will that was finally tired of getting pushed around and damn it. If I don't relate to that. And you saw will also operate in integrity. Acknowledge his own faults and not in a polished, a political way. He acknowledged his own faults and said, no, no doubt, bro. That wasn't the way I was supposed to move with you. And I'm sorry. And I saw something that I ain't seen. I had never really seen grown men do was repair. My dad, as much as I loved him, was not a man to apologize. I could count on my both of my hands together the amount of times I heard that man apologize in my life. And I was fortunate to have even heard that. It didn't mean that I don't think my dad ever wanted to say that he was sorry, but I don't think he even knew how to do it. It's a terrifying thing in this world, and I always felt like I didn't want to tell the Discord kids that and the other people that I talked to that is that most of the adults are just kids, too. And that's what happens is you get older and you start to discover that unless you're fortunate enough to have somebody who has matured in their way of speech, not even in their way of speech, because you can be a super eloquent person. I've been this, I've been eloquent since I was 14. Actually, no, younger than that. Since I was a child, I've been eloquent. That don't have nothing to do with where your character is at. I've been gifted since before that point. That don't have nothing to do with where your character is at. That has nothing to do with your level of integrity and what matters to you and what matters to you and how do you hold to that. That has nothing to do with any of that. Most kids, even today, especially in this generation of kids, even more so than my generation, have suffered being the children of children. Of being the children of two people that were stressed out and said, hey, you know what? You cute. I'm cute. Let's let's have a kid and see what happens. And then later on, they looked back and was like, I actually despise this person as a human being. Not the child, but the other parent. And then they look at themselves. And then before you know it, the kid becomes a projection of all of that person's worst insecurities. 
And then the kid goes out trying to figure out what's wrong with them. And then they realize their parent is a child. And that is one of the most break. That's one of the most painful things to experience in life. Is having someone you look up to parent, mentor, friend. Finding out that they're a child and that they were willing to hide from you. That they didn't know they weren't even willing to tell you the truth. They're saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to ever tell you this. So I'm going to tell you things like do as I say, not as I do, because I don't want you to repeat. And show and expose in me the things I don't want to see. So I'm going to tell you to do differently than I'm doing right now. But what people don't understand is that you can only give what is in your spirit to give. You cannot give someone $2 million and you've never had $2 million and you don't have $2 million. You cannot give that to them. You can only give what you have. So if you have childishness and immaturity and you try to tell someone to be mature, you can only give them what you have. So even if you tell them and you beat it into them, it's just not going to happen. So what does all this have to do with failing successfully? It has everything to do with failing successfully. The issue that I had with my dad was not that I never saw him fail. It's that I never saw him. I very rarely ever saw him acknowledge his own failures. He would either chalk it up to someone out there trying to get him or a company trying to get him or something like that trying to get him. I very rarely saw him acknowledge his own failures. I talked about the porn addiction that I had that I've that I've struggled with through the years. But I didn't mention that. I learned that addiction because my dad was a porn addict. And my dad, we all knew he was a porn addict. We love, I love him, but we all knew he was a porn addict. Everybody, all of us in our family knew he was a porn addict. Many times I would go on his computer and be like, why is this even a thing? He would tell me, go click on something. I'd look and be like, why is this a thing? Why is this on here? I didn't, I, why is this on here? And he was into some crazy stuff. Not illegal stuff, but crazy stuff. And I hated it. It was my first exposure. I was, I, I, I was, I, I, my first exposure to it was looking on, looking on my dad's computer for video games and going like, that is not, that's not a video game. And that's not the one I want to, I don't know what that is. I was terrified. I wasn't, I, I don't know. Some kids say that they get horny when they do. I'm not me. I was terrified. I was like, I don't want no parts of this. And what I ended up learning about, porn and things of that nature is that an addiction of any kind is not the root of the issue. An addiction is a way of trying to cope with something that is deeper. And what I was really dealing with was not porn, but neglect. Is not an addiction of any kind, but a sense of neglection, knowing that you're being neglected on a primal level and not really understanding what to do about it knowing that 
your 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 the figures in your life that you need a certain level of support from are not either able to give it to you or not willing to give it to you and knowing that it's not going to matter at the end you need to survive and your mind does whatever it can to survive i hate when i see it 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 it, it angers me when i see parents blame their children for where their sexuality is and I've gone there. I don't know particularly. I've gone there. But I see it all the time. Parents blame their kids for where their sexuality is. And I said, now, if you as a parent were honest about your own sexuality, you wouldn't be blaming them. Yeah, I went there. Because many parents have had experiences, sexual experiences that they had had it once and was like, I'm never talking about that again. Many religious parents, even many Christian parents, even many spiritual parents have had experiences. And when they had them, they said, I wish I never did that. I'm never talking about it again. And they hid it. They never acknowledged it. They never opened up about it. They were never straightforward about it. And what was hidden in the parent came out in the child. And so the child at whatever age said, I know that I'm not interested in another sex. And then they were like, and the parent was enraged, not because of their child's sexuality, but because their child was exposing something in them that they didn't want to see. And they were like, I buried that. How dare you expose that within me? And it goes for everything. I mentioned about, I touched on sexuality. I don't know about that particular experience for myself, but I do understand. I do understand struggling with your own identity. I do understand that. So whoever it is in, in any community that you struggle with, whether it's a, it's a, it's 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 it, whatever it is, whether you are proudly LGBTQIA or whether you are struggling with that or whether you're struggling with your identity. I just want to tell you, I see you. I may not understand your circumstance. I may not personally be able to connect with you directly on that, but I definitely see you. And I hear you. This is not a rant about bashing just parents. I'm talking about my own resentment for these things for a reason. I love my parents. I think my parents were were overall great people. And, and my mom is still here with me. And I think she's a great woman as well. 100%. And I'm 100% talking about the nature of being able to look at people in your life as people. And... That the more willing I am, and I believe that that's going to be a goal of mine, is to fail successfully in front of my kids. You know, I say, don't don't fail in front of your kids. It's not about failing, not failing in front of your kids. We all want to be our heroes to our kids. I like being hero. I like being the hero to kids and people that 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 would look up to me. I love that idea, and I'm open to being a success a, 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 a successful failure in front of my in front of the kids in front of my kids kids in my life people that I know even friends I'm open to being that which is why I'm talking about this on this podcast and not just hiding it in the background because I haven't ever talked about um the exposure that I had that I've had to porn and my choices in porn and things like that it's an uncomfortable topic to talk about And I'm still willing to go there because I promised I'd show up. So what does all this have to do with failing successfully? Again, 
it's not about the ex- just the experiences that I've had. It's the compassion that I've gained from them and what I'm able to learn from them. And I have not come to a full conclusion on what this what what my experiences were all about. But I have come to an understanding that experiences don't dictate everything about you. Experiences are something that you have. I believe God gives people for the benefit of learning two things. One, learning who they are in God. Two, learning who God is. And three, learning that they have a choice to really see who God can be in them or a choice not to. And I believe that that makes all the difference. I don't know that by sharing this story, I can end up connecting with somebody that I may have never connected to before. I promised that if I was going to do this podcast, I wasn't going to do it like I was talking to 30,000 or 50,000 people. I promised I'd do it that if I was talking to one person, and even if that one person was just me, that I was going to do it. I can't account for the mental and emotional health of the people that listen to me, but I can speak life into them. So I'm willing to fail successfully on here. I'm willing to talk about different areas of shame that I've had. I'm not going to say everything because there's a time and there's a time for those things. And then there's just some things I'm just plain not out, not ready to talk about. But what I am ready to talk about, I will freely share. And I will speak life into those things. So when people know that they can come to me and say, hey, bro, I'm going to just tell you the truth. I've been on X, Y and Z. I say, hey, bro, first and foremost, I see you. I can't remember how many times I think I just wanted my dad to just say, you my son, boy. And ain't nothing you ever going to say or do going to change that. And I knew my dad saw me as his son, but he never called me that. I don't think I ever heard my dad call me son in the 28 years that I'd been that he'd been alive in my life. I don't think I ever heard him call me son. He would refer to me as his son, but I don't think he ever called me son. And that still hurts. I know he was proud of me. I know he loved me. I know that for a doubt. That's without a shadow of a doubt. But I know that my dad didn't really talk about his failures. He was very interested in me learning from his mistakes without repeating them, which I'm very happy for. But he was not ever interested in me in telling me about his mistakes. And when we don't tell people about our mistakes, the people that we are responsible for in some way end up living our mistakes.
So I always say things sound more humble than they are. Um, I don't particularly know or see this at this point in my life. I'm working through a lot of personal um, insecurities about my own beliefs. So I'm learning about who I am and where that is for me. So I don't always know whether I see these things as humble or not. Um, I have been very much a guilty person of looking to the people around me and saying, y'all think it is right. Y'all think it is right. Cool. Then it must be. My goal in this time is to be comfortable with what I have said and what I have spoken. But there's one thing I can say that I believe is important. And I hope that everyone takes along with me, with you when you listen to me. Is that it's more important. Anything you do is show up, show up first. Show up. However it looks when you show up, show up for real. I'm learning how to not be somebody that caps on people, you know, acts like I'm doing one thing and, 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 and doing something else. Even when that's uncomfortable to share my own areas of, of, of conviction and vulnerability, even when that feels uncomfortable. And to speak life into people, because that's something that I love to do. It's the whole nature of failing successfully. Taking something that normally you'd brush off. And instead of either ignoring it or boasting about it. Learning from it for yourself instead of looking at how other people will think. This is my first step in saying something that I'm willing to let other people think what they need to think about me. I wasn't willing to do that before, but I'm willing to do it now. It's just part of my story. And the more lessons I learn about these things, the more I will share. I will be happy to. Even though this is a part of my story, and it's not a part of my story that I necessarily feel super comfortable about, it's not all of my story. So every pay it forward is going to be different. Every pay it forward is going to be a real conversation, whether it's just between me and y'all or it's with me and a guest. Every person that come on here is going to be real. And that's my prayer for everybody. I don't I, I pray to everybody that's under the sound of my voice. That today. Is a day you willing to be open about your own shortcomings, your own failures. Whether you see them as failures or not, your own successes. And that today is the day you judge, you, you allow yourself to have, to receive compassion. And to receive authenticity. And to have a revelation today that God has loved you in all of those ways. And I don't mean that religiously. So don't uh, this is not a Christian dogma thing. I'm literally just telling you that I believe that God has loved you in all those things. And so my prayer for you is that even if today is the first day you think about it, 
that just because this is where your story is right now, that it's not all your story. So I pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. I love y'all, man. Um, I'm excited about what's coming. Uh, man, pay it forward is, is, is gone through so many iterations. It's just hilarious that I'm doing a podcast and like, that was never, that was absolutely not something that I thought I would ever be doing. And I'm on here and I, I love this work. And every time I get on here, I'm like, man, why don't I do this more? Well, I believe it's being done when it needs to be done. So that makes me happy. Um, I'm on a new hosting service. So um, we expect to see more things. Um, this is just this is I always say it's just the beginning. Um, I've been looking forward to some guest segments, but there's still some logistic and, and, and there's some logistics that I'm still working out um about you know because the world's opening up now because you know things are changing with COVID so uh, I'm looking at logistics you know whether some will be phone conversations some will be in-person conversations but there's some good conversations I know I want to have my mentor one of my mentors back on the show uh Brian Reeves uh I'd always talk about him Brian Reeves insight um I know I want to have one of him on back on the show there's a couple of people that I want to talk to in spiritual communities there's a couple people um I got a brother uh we plan on talking um he has a whole Huntington Beach um, uh, spiritual community and he deals with, you know, mind work and mentality and things like that, man. My brother, Nomadic, man, uh, me and him, we've been talking about having a conversation. He's a he's an artist out in Huntington Beach, man. We've been wanting to have a talk for a minute. So we finna we finna really tap in. I'm finna get some real good people on here. But you're going to know that each person that come on here is going to have real and raw conversations because I won't tolerate anything less. Because. That's what's important right now. It's not about what things are done or not done. It's about what we do and what we learn from them and how we use that to grow and help other people and speak life because that's service. And that's how I learn compassion. That's how we learn compassion. All right, y'all. I love y'all. Appreciate y'all for tapping in. I'm going to see y'all next time. So I'm going to say this one. Peace. Shalom. Y'all take care of yourselves.